The Irish Rally Podcast is brought to you in association with Tech and Tools, SVS Productions, PFT Travel, Rally Connection and Murray Motorsport. Now, we're down here in what I would call a definite rallying stronghold, certainly in the county of Carlow, anyway, and it is uh, in Ballon. And we're in the home of this man here beside me, Mr. Ken Blanche. Ken, thanks a million for inviting me down here for, for a little chat. How's things with yourself? Very good, Kevin. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Um, Honoured to be asked. I'm delighted. A little bit nervous, but um, yeah, delighted. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, sure, look, there won't be any more or less nerve-wracking than maybe sitting in beside some of the buckles that you sat in beside yeah. Down through the years, but what Ken, I suppose, you know, your story is quite a remarkable one, I must say. Um, you you got a heart attack last year, sometime around September time. And in the middle of September, I had two heart attacks in the one day. Yeah, and now you're back competing again. Yes. Mad or just out to enjoy myself. Kind of saw the other side of the fence last year, so... Uh, Hit a milestone there in January, it was 50. So I just said, right, my time wasn't up yet. So enjoy myself, go back and rally in, and um, yeah, just enjoy life, have the crack. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's crazy the way things kind of work out because, you know, I might as well tell our viewers or, and, and, and listeners here now, obviously there's been a, a horrendous tragedy over the past couple of weeks. And when we initially planned to sit down and do this interview, it was 13th of April 2023, which is sadly a date that um, nobody's going to forget anytime soon in terms of Irish rallying and pass on our, our sympathies once more to the Breen family. But I will I will never, ever forget around 10 past two when you gave me that phone call. And it was just one of those horrendous moments. And a, a, numbing, a numbing sort of thing came. Uh, and... It's just one of those things, I suppose, where the Irish Rally family is so small that a number of people have said this, actually, and they've put it very well. When you didn't know Craig Breen that well, you felt like you knew him inside out because he left everything so open to everyone that you felt like you just knew the, knew the man. Yeah. And the last couple of weeks have have just been horrendous, to put it simply, haven't they? A rally in Ireland has lost... There's an emptiness there that can never be filled. There's a, an emptiness, a darkness there. Like anybody, like he had so many connections with so many people. A lot of people, like I saw him around at rallies. I never actually met him myself, but he would have been at rallies that I was competing in recently. Um, but just beyond comprehension, he's passing. Um, and the amount of the amount of love that people had for him, um, respect, admiration, all the good things that that you would expect or count on, um, and just a huge shock beyond beyond comprehension. The shock and the loss, the grief um, that everybody you didn't have to know him to be shocked with the news. Anybody in world motorsport, Irish motorsport, 
Um, his name was just synonymous. Um, shock, yeah, absolutely. Mm, I suppose the biggest and best ambassador the sport has, has ever had and yeah. that attachment to home was something that, that never left him. And um, yeah, it's just an awful time to be honest with you. But, you know, you look at, I suppose, even the weekend just gone and you see Eamon Kelly and the first thing he does is dedicate the, the win to to Breen like and mm-hmm. my point is the inspiration that he's provided already to, to so many the platform the the route that he has mapped out to show that guys can get there and he, he the has, opening he has opened the gateway for a lot of guys like as far as I'm concerned there are some serious drivers and navigators in Ireland at the minute like fantastic talent both men and women and like any aspiring junior or even the likes of myself or whatever anybody like he opened the gateway for guys to get on to the international scene mm-hmm. and it's huge and i hope it stays open forever mm-hmm. uh, i think a lot of mother um admiration as well for i suppose his personality in terms of he just let it all out there. He was in touch with the emotions. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that I suppose maybe rally people and, and men, macho kind of a type of thing that maybe we don't do it enough, to be quite honest. But to see the stage end stuff and the tears, the laughter, he just put it all out there. And I thought that was inspirational yeah. as well. Like You know what I mean? Um, and that's why I think he touched so many people's hearts because mm-hmm. he spoke what was on his mind. Like the one day when... I don't know what rally it was where he had won. I, I don't know, I think it was Finland or something. And he dedicated his win to uh, his ex-navigator who had sadly passed away as well. And you saw his tears and his emotions that day. And that was just yeah, the first party, the true, yeah. true yeah. character of the man. And like that was his true colours right there. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, that day down in, down in Casey Law when we made the call or whatever, little did we expect... Uh, the man was going to be on the other end of the phone. Here he was, literally mm-hmm. just after you know making history, like first mm-hmm. Irish driver to you know from from the south to get a podium. The mad thing about that was a couple of mad things. Now the way things have panned out, uh, Paul Nagel actually won the rally that day with Chris Meek, who went on to navigate with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Martin sitting beside him won Croatia at the weekend alongside Elvin Evans. It's so it's intertwined. It's interconnected. It's it's. It's complex, but it's brilliant at the same time. Yeah, and that's rallying though, and that's why Absolutely. everyone feels like they know each other kind of inside out. But I suppose the other the other thing is it's mad, you know, that even things that are said and this, that, and the other, it all becomes very insignificant when something like this happens, doesn't it? Yeah, you know? true. It it does like it. Grief for the the loss of somebody so so special mm. is just beyond words. Like I said. I didn't know the man, but you, you stand back and look at the bigger picture of, I think, Gavin that I navigate with now. Gavin was telling me that the day of the funeral, that there was half a million people logged on to watch the funeral online. Like, that's a lot of people. Mm. And whatever, like, were physically there at the church and at the wake over the, on the day before, whatever. Um, it was just, the, the numbers of it were just, you know, it just proved how much he was loved and admired and, you know, it's mm. people took days off work to go and pay their respects. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, you mentioned Tom Gunn. That's an obvious yeah. connection there. Uh, Tom and his crew like will would just suffer a a huge loss that possibly words at the minute can't even help. Mm. Like a a handshake or sorry for your loss. Yeah, it's nice, but it, it doesn't fix anything. You have to still go through the grief, unfortunately, and there'll be an emptiness there that will never be filled. Mm. You know, there was such a connection with Tom, like, and and his crew, like they're the absolute best of lads. They work really hard, very professional. Um, but like one of the crew said to me the other day, Adam, and I think really highly of Adam. And he just said, unfortunately, he said, life has to go on. Hmm. But life will, won't be the same for them without Craig being around. Absolutely. Yeah. Wanting to finish on, on a light note, I think one of the most entertaining things I've read over the, the past couple of weeks, which I hadn't realized, was on a couple of occasions, the WRC car during competition went through the drive through McDonald's for chicken nuggets. Right. Which I thought was just... Absolutely brilliant because you imagine there you're working yeah, the next thing. There's WRC car mm-hmm. ones, obviously. Was their place, but yeah, look again. You I did. Do, there was one. I I don't know the guy. Um, Croak is it? Paddy Croak. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I I don't know the guy. I never met him, but I somebody had shared um, a Facebook post of where I love you, I miss you, but you're not. You're you're just gone ahead to do another Ricky. Mm. And I thought those words were were, were lovely, Pines. absolutely smashing. Really, 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 really nice indeed. Yeah. And again, look, you know, we pass on our, our deepest sympathy. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, didn't. It's mad that we're still able to have these conversations. Didn't didn't know him particularly well. Hands up, I didn't know him particularly well. But mm-hmm. you, you just everyone felt that yeah. rawness and that that mm-hmm. numbness associated with. Um, another great memory actually there on the you see it on YouTube is when he wanted Danny Boy. Sorry, just before I finish up, I had to say this uh, in the Danny Boy in Slough, I think it was six, seven years ago, and uh, they were chanting his name coming in. He actually ended up on Paddy's shoulders, like Paddy sitting in the wheelchair, and Craig up on top of him. So, lots of people have um, lots of great memories, but again, we, we pass on yeah. our deep sympathies. So, um, before, before I come back to your own personal story and uh, you know, a, a word I suppose on on Clarny this weekend. I I just I can't believe I'm I'm firstly standing here or sitting here beside you. You're back competing, and I suppose maybe before I go into Clarny, I should ask you like your outlook on life now, given the fact that it was so close from from being taken from you. Mm-hmm. What what actually goes through your head in the moments when all this is going on, like? Can you talk us through that process? Well, other than a lot of pain, um, just I would have. Con- I know I carry a bit of weight or whatever, but I would have considered myself fit. Like my last training, so I do a fair bit on my bike. My last training session before the heart attack was sixty k um, in a couple of hours, and I thought I was going well. I was going all right, but I was sitting at home on Friday evening. Didn't feel great. Um, and then within half an hour, I was on the floor in the sitting room having a heart attack. Pain in the middle of my chest, going down my left arm. And my wife was away with her mother for the weekend. My girls were next door in a, a friend's house, um, down visiting and playing around. And um, I just rang a neighbor and she, the ambulance was called or whatever. 
But the whole way through, all I kept saying to myself was, because I had lost, I'd lost both parents to cancer. I lost, my dad was, my dad is dead 26 years and my mother lost her during COVID. But the only thing that kept, that I kept saying to myself was, fight for your girls. I knew I was a physio for 24, 25 years up until COVID and I was fairly in touch with the kind of the medical and physical end of things. So I had a good idea. I was having a heart attack and I knew the chances, I knew the percentages and the statistics. Right, I said, I'm almost 50, carrying a bit of weight, but I was like, the one thing that kept, I kept repeating in my head was fight for your girls. Keep fighting for your girls. I have two girls, Sophia's 11, Isabella's 9, and I don't know, after that, like, it was a series of bad events that evening, there was ambulance called, they, you know, I won't go into the nitty gritty of it, but the ambulance crew kind of said I wasn't having a heart attack, I knew I was, the level of pain or whatever, so, um, brought to Kilkenny, was transferred to St. James in Dublin, um, the crew up there were absolutely fantastic. I couldn't thank them enough to save my life. Um, but when I was in the middle of getting a stent in, um, I had a second heart attack and I was basically gone at that stage. And even, even still, like I just find it hard to put words to it. Just, it does get emotional with me now and again because I just, Fight for your girls, fight for your girls. But they couldn't use the defibrillator on me um, because the wire was already in my arm. So they had to do manual CPR um, to bring me back. Um, that was on the Friday night, so they kept me and stabilised me over the weekend. I um, had another stent fitted on the Tuesday and then they let me home, I think, on the Thursday. So almost a week in hospital, two um, two heart attacks, yeah. And, um, two blocked arteries. Now the heart, the chief nurse or the head nurse up there had said to me, the fact that you were fit, she said that you were on your bike, kept you alive. She said your heart was strong as an ox. Your arteries were blocked and that's AF, they call it, arterial fibrillation. Um, one artery was 90% blocked and the other was 80% blocked and that's what caused the heart attack. Well, all, all I can say is is wow, and I I suppose as a person myself would would be quite deep. I would think a lot. How much do you feel like you said five year girls, five year girls? Would you would you have the belief and 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 faith? I suppose in line with having uh, the the mechanics behind you as well, knowing what's going on physically. Yes. Would you do you feel genuinely that 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 gave you the strength to, to keep? keep you alive i yes it did yes it did absolutely mm. because like my a wonderful wife as well chantel she's she's probably the only woman in the country uh, who gives out to her husband for not going out drinking <laughs> she was like she, she's she's the absolute best in the world she was like my god would you ring some of the boys and go for a pint or do whatever um but I'd rather be on my bike or in a rally car or just out and about walking the hills or out doing whatever. Um, have an odd little drink, but I'm not 
wouldn't be a great pub person or whatever, but kind of save it all and put it all in for the rallies. So in your period of recovery, mm-hmm. how how quickly do you, does your, your outlook on life actually change? Like, I mean, that's, that's, I suppose, gratefulness or whatever way you want to put it, like to, to actually be here. Um, and what was the difference in how you viewed life then after that happened? Well, after, yeah, it would have been a massive change, absolutely. Um, now, I try to not stress over little things. Like, I asked, I asked my daughter to clean her bedroom, and the usual kind of pre-teens, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. So it's like, right, whenever you're, I, I don't want to get stressed, I mm. don't, you know what I mean? Before, it would have probably ended up as a silly, a silly argument or whatever. But now is just, just enjoy life. Absolutely. Like, I'm, my dad passed away when he was 52. Um, I was 22 at the time. And he, um, he never had a holiday with us. He worked, you know, he worked really hard back in the time when work was work, you know. Um, he was a steel director. He got lung cancer from dealing with asbestos. So, that kind of change outlook as well, but definitely after my own episode is just enjoy life. Mm. I won't be around forever. I'm 50 years of age now. I still have a good bit of living left to do. There's plenty more ri- miles rallying to do and cycling. Um, bit of traveling with the girls and just absolutely have the crack and enjoy it. And So more of a realization of what's important. Absolutely. What isn't important. The little things are now huge. Mm. Like... The happiness of my children, like I mean, regular employment now, like of a wage every Friday. Um, you know, I've a roof over my head. I have my health. My girls are happy. My wife, happy wife, happy life. Um, so I just, yeah, the little things are now big. The the bizarre thing is, Ken, that like I would say you had a fair decent realization of what was important even before it happened. So. Would it be fair to say that it maybe just enhanced what was important? It would have, yeah. It was a, a, a new a reminder. Yeah, I knew what was important, but now because, I re- because of what had happened to you under twenty two. Exactly, but I now knew how to act on it. Okay. Or, do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, I realised it, but now it was time to because you simply have to simply have to. Mm. Yeah, you know. Otherwise, your your head is deteriorating again. Exactly. Kind of yeah. simple. And does what happened to you create any anxiety when you know? Like, do you have, I don't even like saying it to you because I don't want to make oh, you stress, geez. but do you have any fear of something like that happening possibly again? Or do you live freely now in the knowledge I, that it has happened? And No, I tell you, I do, at the minute, no, I, I don't have any fear because medically and physically I know that since the heart attack, like I'm getting checked by the doctor very regularly. Mm. I've had stress tests, like the exercise stress test. I know my heart is fine. I know the stents are working. Um, yes, I'm on medication for life, blood thinners, blood pressure, cholesterol, that kind of thing. I do have to mind myself because like, I would bruise because of blood thinners. Yeah. Um, I bruise easily. So yeah. I would kind of, right, don't be coming down the hill at 100 mile an hour on your bike and fall off because you'd be black and blue black and blue for a month. But, um, 
Yeah, it's 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 a realization that enjoy myself. Mm. You know, it's also a kind of bizarre one because if you look at, I suppose, the environment that maybe you grew up in, what you're involved in, like exercise, always very important around mm-hmm. athletes. Yeah. You know, like you've been with top level cyclists, you've been with inter county GA teams. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a physio, like, and yet something like this could could still happen. So there's obviously a message in that somewhere. There is, yeah. It's like I was 20 plus years looking after top, like elite athletes, guys who were riding the Tour de France, cyclists like Sam Bennett, who won the green jersey in the Tour de France, looking after him and, you know, making sure he was right. But I suppose it was probably years of looking after other guys and not looking after myself enough. Yeah. Do you know what's mad? Sorry for cutting across you, but something's just come to me. Playing a, a hurling match against Bourne Rangers, must be 2016 or 2017. I was playing full back and the keeper went over and done his knee and it was clearly out of place. And he asked me, it wasn't the first time it happened to him, incidentally, and he asked me to go straighten it. I say I couldn't even look at it, let on straighten it. And next thing you rock up, I think he just happened to be there. I don't know where you No, he I, I was actually with Bourne Rangers that evening. Where, I remember yeah. And you popped it back in and, it, and, he, and he played on his stuff, but. Man, yeah. you've seen some serious stuff down through the years, be it in a rally car or be it, yeah. uh, you know. Otherwise. Like, I couldn't, I I see my wife there, she looks at my daughters, they look at these ER programs and Crazy all this, uh, and I couldn't look at anything like that. But I could. it's mad because I could walk onto a, a hurling field and a guy could be split open um, or his finger broken or his knee dislocated or something, and it just, you know, just kind of came naturally to me. But, um, no, it's I couldn't look at it. It's a great um, thing to be able to do for someone, though. Absolutely, yeah. You know? Yeah. And do you miss that at all? Because now you've parted. Like, you've you've parted for a number of different reasons. I don't know if you want to go into it or not, mm-hmm. but you did it for nearly a quarter of a century, like. Yes, I did. I did. I just felt that, like, when I was with the teams, like, in France and Italy, like, all over Europe, I was with professional teams. I worked for... The guy who won the Tour de France, Bradley Wiggins, I worked for his team for a year. Um, I was away from the family a lot and I missed them and I missed that time, you know, when they were growing up and they wanted their dad around and I didn't want to be in empty jersey. So I was kind of, that was one kind of uh, reason. Uh, another reason would have been um, that I was getting a bit older. Mm. You know, I was kind of mid, mid-40s mid at the time. I was like, right, do I need to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning making 200 bottles for energy drinks for riders when mm. I could be in the bed at home for another two hours before I go to work kind of a thing. The other thing I'd like to ask you, Ken, sorry, again to come across it, but yeah. when you're in an environment like that for a quarter of a century, people are not coming in with good news. They're coming in because there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Did that ever have an effect on you as a personal, mentally? Because, you know... I've always said this to the missus, that whenever I pass away, I want part of your environment over my headstone. Because mm-hmm. I think we are part of our environments and how we think and the people yeah. we're around. How are your conditions? And some yeah. people say you're the sum of the, the three or four or five people that are around you most mm-hmm. consistently or you spend the most time with. Did that have much of an effect it, 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 I won't say it had much of an effect on me, but I would have gotten it very regularly where somebody would come in with an injury it could have been a farmer, it could have been a council worker, it could have been a school child. Um, and somebody would come in and say, right, I have an injury, I'm after hurting my back, whatever. And they'd start talking to you 
and next of all it just burst out crying because it do you know what I mean it happened so many times that they just released right. and they're having pers- uh, personal problems be it money or whatever um, but all you know it was all confidential but mm. I kind of felt geez the person's kind of letting down their their, uh, guard. Wall, their guard a bit and you know um, it was a release for them and the amount of people over the years who would like gave me a tip or sent me a card with 50 quid in it thanks very much I feel better and um, my back is great but they actually felt a lot better in themselves like that they could actually talk to somebody you know mm. so it wouldn't it had an effect I mean in a positive way mm. because um, I knew physically I was fixing an injury but also I was helping them like sometimes you'd end up giving them a little bit of guidance or mm. like oh go and talk to somebody or you've had fallen out with a friend two years before well send them a text and say you missed them or whatever it be mm. you know yeah yeah it's yeah I think I think it's great but then there's the side where you also have to release that somewhere yourself like yeah you know and mm-hmm. obviously that's where the exercise and stuff kind of come in I suppose we better talk about rallying a little bit yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know all this stuff is important I mean we're all we're all human this is exactly why, we're all different you know we've Tony Kelly doing a, a, a program there at the minute obviously called The Whole Person which doesn't mm-hmm. really you know the aim isn't really to talk about rallying a whole lot yeah. but the idea is obviously to get to know these guys behind the helmets and guys and girls mm-hmm. behind the helmets like, and everyone has their own story as well yeah. and yours just happens to be a remarkable one because despite all this that we've just spoken about uh, we touched on it at the, at the top of the program here. You're back competing. Yes. So, firstly, like, how much thought and consideration did you give into going back competing? And how long was it after, I suppose, the, the heart attack that, that you did go back and compete? Like, I did, I did put a lot of thought into it, but I kind of, I sat down and had a chat with my wife and I just said, like, listen, what do you think? And she was like, well, she said, it's, it's the only thing in life other than cycling that you actually love. Mm. Like she said, you like going fishing, you like your gardening. Like, I love spending time with the girls, bringing them off here and there, whatever. But I wouldn't be good at many things, but not to sound too much like a, an ass, but I've been at, I've been navigating now for, what, I was talking to Durham and the Mark today. It was 1997 was my first rally. Um, How was that way? With uh, McReady. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, It was a fairly standard Mark II escort. Fantastic memories. That was my first ever event, and I've done a lot of events since that. But it's just the one thing that, that I love that I want to be my best at. Now, I mightn't be up to the likes of Josh Moffat or Keith Moriarty or any of the, the top lads, but I'd like to be, whoever I'm sitting with, I'd like to give them my best. They never won the Marco Challenge. Pardon? They never won the Marco Challenge, I don't think. No, I <laughs> no. That I'm aware of, are you? I know, but I don't, I don't. You won that in 09 and 10, back to back, with Simon Major. Correct, yeah. Hmm. Special time? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there, were, there would be... A couple of events over the years that would stand out. Um, like the first one ever was 97 with Mick. Mm-hmm. It was an old, a single stage in Old Castle in County Mead. 
and it was actually Dermot Serious Daly. rally and stronghold for yeah. the Allegan territory. Yeah. yeah. Um, Andrew Brown territory. A few more mm-hmm. guys up there who, yeah, I won't start naming them all. But um, my first win, overall win, I won a single stage overall with Mick in Carrigan Shore in 2003, mm-hmm. which is 20 years this year. Um, and I actually remember well James Coleman, Shore Forklifts was, he, what do you call it, presented it with the trophies that evening. Um, that was fabulous, like, mm-hmm. you know. Probably didn't sink in for a while because it was only a chap. But, um, well, say a chap, I was 30 at the time, but... Um, in comparison to now, you're a chap. In comparison to now, <laughs> I'm a middle-aged, bald, overweight man <laughs> with, a fucking, with, a, with a heart problem. But, um, no, back then, it you know, it was... We were working men trying to um, scramble a few bob together to buy tyres and petrol and entry fees, the usual thing. But um, and that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah. Mm. This is the reality. Still, of it. Um, yeah, myself and Gavin at the minute. It's listen. We're trying to to put money together and entry fees and tyres and you know someone to run the car. It's all money and it's it's not easy. You know yourself, mm-hmm. mortgage and yeah. kids and all that kind of thing. So. Life, uh, life does tend to be prioritised a bit, like you know. The cynic in me says, right, you love rallying, you just had a heart attack. Well, just do the most adrenaline rushing thing you'll ever get in the world. Well, you could, yes. yeah, we'll do rallying. I, I, <laughs> there was, there was no chess, there's no drafts, there's no like I'll play cards. No, oh, no I'm gonna go rallying. <laughs> yeah, but to me, I'm. I'm calm in the car. Like, yes, I do get nervous. Always get nervous before an event. Um, and there's some mornings that I just, like, I can't even talk to people. It's not rudeness or anything like that. It's just, I'd be, I would be nervous and I kind of retreat into a world of my own, away from people. Is it nervous of just wanting to do a good job? Nervous of, I, I, nervous yes, of I would probably be, I would probably be, be putting too much pressure on myself. Yeah. Because I know that if we were trying to go out from in the class or whatever, it's maximum concentration. I want to do everything. If if I do something wrong, I'd be very hard on myself. Uh, because I want to do it to the best of my ability. But yeah, I'll probably put too much pressure on myself that way. But in the car, I'm like I tend to be or try to be as calm as possible. So I don't get wound up and all you know, shouting and roaring kind of a thing. But um, no, it's probably when I'm at my calmest is when I'm in the car. When you have the flow, yeah. I've said this to someone recently. Uh, we're never nervous about something going right. It's always about something going wrong or wanting it to go right. Yeah. So what I mean, like, imagine if you could be in that mindset where, you know, it's the opposite, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people probably just don't do nervous. Well, I think they're a good thing. You know, we've often used the, the analogy on the, on the podcast, uh, the nerves are a good thing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure, they help keep you sharp, like, yeah, you know, like, you, I'd never go into an event feeling cocky, like, never, mm. even still. Because, like, I remember, um, I hadn't navigated in a while, and in Galway 2019, was it, or 2020, just before the lockdown, it was the last rally before the lockdown, 20. um, I sat with uh, Eugene Donnelly in an R5 in Galway and I hadn't sat in anything that quick now I was I was nervous all right yeah because it was like great this is a 
it's who, it a, is. He, who it is, he demands perfection um, and the speed. And it was like, right, I've never caught notes this quick before or whatever. So yeah, I got through it. We, like, we didn't finish the rally through mechanical issues, but um, I knew then that like from making notes to calling back the notes or whatever that, yeah, I, I did all right. Yeah, yeah, I did all right. And I was happy. I went home happy with my performance, knowing that I was confident that if I ever did, and I would love to this year at some stage do an event with somebody in an R5, just simply because, number one, I'm alive, and number two, uh, just to celebrate my 50th. Mm-hmm. Um, just somebody that was stuck, absolutely, I would love to jump there you in. Go, lads. <laughs> You're in the right place, you have the right platform, Ken, so uh, get this man a spin in an R5. How did the spin with Eugene come out? Um, there was a guy in Carlo, uh, Darren Hayes, mm-hmm. had opened up a garage, and he had just put out a few local feelers, um, that who was navigating in around the area, and he rang me and asked me what I saw. Can just. Darren is yeah, because Darren, Darren, I think Eugene go back all day. As far as I know, yeah, himself and yeah. Eugene and pretty uh, cool. Though. I mean, whenever something like that comes about, you're talking about five, five time tournament champion, like you yeah, know, mm-hmm. bringing you and I mean that's obviously going to be nerve wracking, but also very, I suppose I'm not going to say reassuring, but. Definitely something that boosts your confidence. That someone of that caliber thought you were good enough. Yes, absolutely. You know, I really did. You know, I took a lot from that. Now, you know, I was mm-hmm. under pressure, and I kind of, you know, I stood up to the challenge, and I think I got through it fairly okay. Mm-hmm. Not like without trying to sound too much like. Nice a, thing to be able to say though, as well, that that actually yeah, happened. Absolutely, not, yeah. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's not the only. We say one better phrase, putting it. Not the only heavy hitter that. Uh, we sat with down through the years. There's been there's been a few affairs. I don't mean heavy hitter now in terms of hitting the bail or hitting the water or anything like that. Yeah. But you were looking up to sit with Endon Nolan, to make great Endon Nolan. I was. Yeah, I absolute yeah, blessed to sit with him. Um I remember I was only thinking the other night it was I think it was nineteen ninety one and I was actually working in England at the time and I came home because my my dad yeah, my dad died in ninety six and it was nineteen ninety one. And I came home from England for the weekend. Carlo had a forestry back on then. And they call it the Monte Carlo forestry. And myself and my dad and Enda, myself and my dad and Enda knew each other very, very well for a long time. And I went along for the spin. We are just basically going around the stages the day before, cleaning off trees and pulling rocks out of the way, things like that. And Enda says to me, um, Oh, sure, I'll give you a few bob for that, or come on, or I'll buy you a bag of chips, whatever it was. And I said, no, all I want is a spin in your rally car. And he said, it mightn't be today or tomorrow, but he said, I'll give you a spin at some stage. And then it was 2006, he rang me, because where I had my clinic in Carlo was right beside his um, constituency office with MJ, his brother. And he called in one day and he says, listen, I want to do... Uh, Wexford was the first one, Wexford 06. He said, I want to do Wexford. Um, will you jump in with me? He says, I never forgot what you said to me years ago. So I was absolutely delighted. So he remembered that? He remembered that, yeah. 15 years later. Yeah. Wow. And it's it's rallying, which I love. Like it, the, One of the reasons I love it is so interconnected and so complex. My uncle Liam 
Clark was Ender's, as far as I know, was Ender's first navigator ever. I think he's on record as that as well, yeah. And my uncle Liam, which would be on my mother's side, he, their first rally car was an Avenger. Mm -hmm. And that Avenger was my old, my father's old family car. Right. And Liam was Enda's first navigator. And unfortunately, I was Enda's last navigator. So we kind of kept it within the family. Mm. Plus... Yeah, there's more to this. There is more to this. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going? I do. Gavin, a good friend that I sit with now. Gavin Sheil, yeah. Gavin Sheil is Enda's nephew. Yeah. And there wouldn't be too many people that would know that. Mm. And Paul sat with Enda, Gavin's father, I think. He did. One or two times. Yes, yeah. 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 Maybe a bit more than one or two times, but mm -hmm. I, I, I know for definitely I've seen that on record. That's a good bit before my time now, but... Yeah. yeah again, it's back to that rally community and how, how small it is and how it comes... It is yeah, like yeah. I, I remember, like when I was navigating Dermot O'Toole, say in the early 2000s, and there was a fantastic crew of people. Like we used to, Dermot's dad, uh, Jerry, um, we all used to service using his truck. Um, there would have been Eamon and Sarah Dowling, an absolute magical couple of people, husband and wife. Mick and Della McAvoy, absolute fucking gems, so they are. And it would have been Eugene and Mary Fitzpatrick, another husband and wife. Um, John Nolan from Tullow. And who else was myself in Dearmid? Uh, there was another few people around as well that were all servicing. But the people would go out of their way for you, even if it was a 10 mil spanner or a diff. Or a half shaft or something like that. If there was anybody had hassle, well, it was five or six people around the car straight away. They did. They were the best of times, the best of memories. And myself and Eamon, I work with Eamon now, and we'd be going back old stories. And he said, do you remember this happened or do you remember that happened? And just wonderful times with wonderful people. Absolutely. Those times will never come back. It was simple times, but the crack and the slagging and the messing was just at times it was disgraceful raw, raw <laughs> and at times it was just you just lay down and laugh at them were brilliant brilliant times brilliant people you actually answered the question that i was going to ask about how you come to love the sport and how you got involved sure it's pretty self-explanatory there now like yeah you know? <laughs> my dad, yeah he was always around it i i always um used to go with my dad to the Carlo Rally every year. And I couldn't wait for weeks. I'd be counting the days because myself and my dad would be doing the control in mm -hmm. and you'd be meeting all the drivers and whatever. And I didn't actually get to see rallying a live stage, but we're there doing times and helping out and whatever. And I just always said to myself, remember there was a, a single stage out the back of Ardaton Monday. And I think it was actually run from Ballykeely. It was only a chap at the time. But I remember sitting, Bill Conley had a green manta. And I remember sitting in the passenger seat, um, the navigator seat, talking to somebody and said, someday I would love to be in a seat like this. And he said, why don't you, whatever. So I was, I don't know, could be 35 years ago. It was only a chap, but dreams do come true. Hmm. Dreams do come true. Uh, the other thing we actually should have mentioned was that 
Didn't you in class one in the the national championship last year? Yeah, myself and Gavin. Yeah, we had a despite, great year. Despite literally getting a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> kind of. Um, there was one. We had uh, what do you call it? We had one round left in Donegal, and no, we didn't have it won or anything. We weren't. You know, we still had to go and compete. But it was 16th of September I had the heart attack and it was October, I think it was the 8th of October, something like that. And the last round in Donegal. And I just asked the nurse, I said, listen, I've one more race to do and that's my season over. Um, I said, could you give me the go ahead or what do you think, whatever. And she just said, um, as long as you're not lifting engines, gearbox, just go and live your normal life. She said, your heart is fine and your, your, what do you call it, your stents are working. So she said, don't get too stressed about it. She says, go and, go and enjoy your life. So I did. And, uh, unfortunately, that was the weekend that didn't happen. Um, that was Chrysler. Mm. That god awful tragedy up there as well. Um, so yeah, we were up there. We had done the recce. We had come back. Tom and the lads had put the car through scrutiny and then, I think we're sitting in James Coleman's camper and we just unfortunately got the word that rally was um, mm. was cancelled or postponed or whatever at the time. But because of what happened, so maybe it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't do it, but like that was three weeks after the heart attack. But I felt strong enough to do it, but I was still kind of, I was still shook enough after a, a big trauma like that, all right? Mm. It's, it's, a real, it's a real roller coaster, in fairness, isn't it? Brilliant. It is like I've seen, like I, I sat with a guy in, in Borough last year and it was his first event ever, um, Keith Costello. And I'd said to Keith, like, Keith, we won the class that day. And I just said, the highs are high. Like you, you win the class today, you have your crystal, your, you came home, the car is still in one piece. Um, you were progressing with your times all day. But I said, a time will happen or an incident will happen that you might crash out or you might have a mechanical or something will happen. Like the highs are high, but the lows are very low. Mm. We've seen both ends of it over the years, but, um, yeah, some, like something simple can put you out and you just ride your luck then and, you know, when you go in the class or get up in the overall or whatever, it's, um, it could go either way very quickly. Mm. Well, you're, um, yeah, you're, you're you're quite content for now anyway. You're going to keep going. Absolutely, that's our prerogative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like myself and Gavin, like we're always looking for a bit of sponsorship, help us through the season. It's it's never getting any cheaper. Um, tires and petrol and entry fees, hotels, you know, it all mounts up. Um, just lucky that I have a good support system behind me. Like that's the other thing I never came to was. Actual clarity this again, mm-hmm. yeah. Which obviously yourself and Gavin are doing. So, um, how how do you feel ahead of it, and what uh, what kind of perception do you have of uh, of clarity? And uh, I suppose when you see the lineup of stages this weekend, you have Healy Pass, Argon, God's Head, Paul of Pima, Wallace Cap, obviously. Yeah, you know, yeah. Gordon again. All the big hitters are there. All the big ones are there. Um, I'm looking forward to the challenge. We did it last year. And we finished, um, I don't think 68 or 69 overall, which isn't bad for a class five car or an RC5 now this year. 
But last year, that class 22 kind of were in with civics and evos and things like that because I think it's a licensing issue or if you don't have an international license or whatever, you're in class 20, I think. But um, this weekend, um, I told Gavin and the two have a laugh about it. The only stage, I've never, I've done rallies all over the country. I've never done Donegal. Um, but my one big one would be um, the Killarney Storics. I have to do that. Mm. have to do that with somebody. But this weekend, all the big ones, like you're saying, the Moll's Gaps and all, like, I think Moll's Gap is the first stage on yeah. the Saturday morning. And twice then Sunday. And twice on Sunday. But um, the only stage I, that I've ever done that I absolutely cringe is Ballot Beamer. Really? I fucking hate it so much. Why is that then? I don't know. I I don't know just when you're actually going up the hill out through the gap. Um up at the top. I think there was a couple of young lads went off there last year in the Civic, unfortunately, out through there. That could have been a lot worse too. They were lucky there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's then down to like good scrutiny here and strong cars and well built cars and that. But that's another issue like that safety and things. But it's the only Gavin left something, I it's the only the only stage in the country I absolutely fucking detest. <laughs> oh, unlikely. I, I said to Gavin, I'm just going to, uh, I said, when we're on Ballock Beam, I said, you're on your own. I'm plugging out the intercom. But I'll do all the rest of them. But uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's like a little holiday to me with friends. Uh, look forward to it. Um, finish work Wednesday evening. We're tipping on Wednesday evening. Up fresh then Thursday morning. Um, recce Thursday, recce Friday. Race Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and Gavin is, I, I like sitting with Gavin, there's no stress, there's no drama, um, you know, it's nice and relaxed, it's the way I want it, he's a good, he's a mature chap for a young fella, good driver, learning all the time, and the two of us get on well, um, but if he takes out his vape this Thursday, I'm going to fucking kill him. <laughs> right. yeah. Play him and his him and his blueberry and red lemonade flavored. Oh, Jesus, uh, from that stuff. He was very terrible. It's funny. Last little thing I'll say. You know, Gav was on a an underage county hurling panel with me, and Tom Nolan was well. And right. here we are now chatting. Huh? Absolutely, it's gas. Small world, Ken. I think it's a remarkable story. Just like say again, just um, send on and condolences to the Breen family and all the friends and relations and. Anybody that knew Craig, um, like I said, there's an emptiness there that will never be filled. Um, there's a black cloud over Irish motorsport now for for a long time. It'll be motorsport in Ireland now will be dragging its backside for a long time. But um, it'll come good again. Um, I'm looking forward to the, to this weekend, and it's a nice tribute now that there there's no number forty two. Mm. Um, yeah, it'll be hard meeting the lads again. Like I said, the lads who knew him and kind of feel awkward at times. Like I said, I don't want to bring it up with them, but just to let them know that we're thinking about their grief as well. Absolutely. You know. Pass on those sentiments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the best of luck to everyone this weekend. And, you know, really looking forward to what's always a fantastic event. It's the, the attention and the attraction of supporters and um, spectators that it gets is huge. And, the best stages in the country. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, the last thing I want to do is say thank you for, number one, asking me down here, and number two, for being so open and candid with your story. It's a remarkable one. 
and uh, all I can say is fair play to you. Thank you very much, Kevin. Absolute pleasure. And like I said, thank you very much. Um, I feel honoured. I'm on a kind of a, a list of big hitters up there. Not that I'm a big hitter or anything, but um, you've had some mighty guys on it and you do a great job. And um, well done and keep it going. Thank you very much. Thanks, Willie, Kevin.